0: Let me ask you a question as we begin this morning. How many of you have ever been in a place where during Christmas where there were absolutely no Christmas lights? Have you ever experienced this before? This past week when on my trip to the Middle East, this is the second year in a road that uh, I've been to a country where uh, they do not celebrate Christmas and for uh, a very specific reason, but it's always weird to go to a place during Christmas time where there are no there are no Christmas lights. And on the very first night um, that I was there, we were in this really tall uh, hotel. We were on the 40, I was on the 49th floor. I was looking out, I was getting ready uh, to go to bed, and I looked across, and there was this uh, really tall, I guess, uh, apartment complex, and in one little bitty uh, window, there was the probably the worst-looking Christmas display I've ever seen in my life. It was really sad. It wasn't even really red and green. It was kind of a weird, just kind of weird, Christmas, uh, weird colors that you would have at Christmas time. But then they had this, this really sad looking tree. And it wasn't like a cool sad tree like Charlie Brown. It was just a sad looking tree. And it was because the best that they could get. And in this, so I thought, I was looking at this. I thinking here even in the Middle East, in the dark of night, when there are no other Christmas lights around, it dawned on me that light always overcomes the darkness. It always shines through. And I want to show you a picture here to, uh, to show you what I mean by that. On our flight back yesterday, we were—I uh, had something. I experienced something I've never experienced before. This was fascinating to me. It's not going to be nearly as fascinating to you as it was to me. But we—the uh, guy that was uh, leading our group—comes up to me and says, "I want to. Do you know where we are right now?" And I said, "No." And it's pitch black outside. And on the flight, they'd put all the blinds down so you couldn't see anything outside. He said, "Well, you need to go look at your screen and look at the flight tracker." I said, okay. So I went and I looked at the flight tracker, and that's what that is at the top. Can you tell where I am at that specific moment? It's never before in all the places I've gone across the globe have I been in this spot. We were in the North Pole. We were de- flying directly over the North Pole. And immediately I thought, I wonder if I can go and see the, the, the plane that we had had uh, cameras on the front of the plane and below the plane so you could see where you were going. Now, in the middle of the night, you can't see anything And so I thought, well, maybe I'll give it a shot. Unfortunately, uh, it it didn't come across, but I went to the front of the, uh, to see the front camera of the plane, and you were just barely, just almost kind of, just saw a little bit of it, of the northern lights being able to be seen through the camera on, on the plane. And I thought, even in the midst of the North Pole, where there are no lights whatsoever, light always overcomes the darkness. And in what we come to this morning... A lot of churches start celebrating Advent in the Christmas season uh, at the beginning of the month. We start today for a reason that we'll talk about later, but um, Advent is the expectancy of Jesus coming. And 2,000 years ago, the light came and the world and the darkness of the world could not overcome it. Still the same thing today. So regardless of what's going on in your life, the fact that we celebrate Christmas and is I want you to know right off the bat that light always overcomes the darkness, no matter what is going on in your life. Let me show you this morning what I mean by that. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 9 through 14 today. We'll come back in a couple of weeks and look at the beginning of this passage. But I want to show you what I mean that the light has come and the world and the darkness of it 2,000 years ago cannot overcome it and it still cannot overcome it today beginning in John chapter 1 and in verse 9, it says this, that the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh nor the will of man but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So let me ask you this. This idea of when the, the light has come, what does it mean to us? And here, I think the first thing I want you to know, and this may be the, the most important thing, is that the Father desires a family. And so when we begin to look at this passage of Scripture, that's where it's taking us. That we've talked about in the past that the Father desires a family. He desires for His people to know Him, and He wants to be in their midst. And we have in the past, we've described that this is the eternal purpose of God. That from the very beginning, when we look in the book of Genesis, all the way to the book of Revelation, that God desires to be a part of this, and He wants a family to call His own. That's why we call Him the Father. When I go on trips like this, it's interesting because uh, a lot of times there'll be guys that will want to stay, they'll want to do some sightseeing and stay, stay around a couple of days afterwards, and I have no desire. Once we're done, I'm, I'm done with whatever we're doing, it's time to go home. The fact is, it's time to go home because I want to get back to my family. And I thought, if I'm willing to do that, if I'm willing to say, we're done with this, I don't want to sightsee even though I may never come back to this place, I want to that um, I want to get back to my family and go to great lengths to do that, how much more did the Father, what kind of great lengths did the Father go through into in order to get us to the point where we could be a part of His family? And the fact is, when we get to look at this passage of Scripture in verse 14, and it said, The Word, and that's talking about Jesus, became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and now we have seen His glory. Glory is the only one of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Father went to extraordinary measures to allow us to become part of his family. And to me, that's Christmas. And so it's when I started looking at this and what God has done in our midst over the last 11 years to bring us together to become a family of God and what he continues to do. And I look at what happened last week, which was the first time since we've gone to two services to see the entire family of God there at Crandall High School together for the big of. I said, this is what God did. He came and dwelt amongst us so that we could become together, become one family of God. And so when we look at this passage, the light has come because the Father desires for us to be a part of His family. So I don't know what's going on in your life today. I don't know what kind of struggles you come in here with. I don't know what's in your heart and what's going on with your family. But the Father says, I want you to be mine. And I sent my Son, the light of the world, so that you could be a part of my family. And to me, that is an extraordinary truth. That the Father would go to extraordinary measures that I could be a part of his family. And as a result of that, the Father says, Because you're part of mine, I will be a part of every part of your life. Let him be in. Here's the second truth I want you to see. That if the Father desires a family, here's the second thing: that the word who is the light came and lived amongst us to show us the Father. Go back to verse 14. We're gonna go backwards with this. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the son of this only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This idea of becoming, going back to verse 11, uh, verse 9, that, that the, this idea that, that the Son became one of us. The idea, literally, this word literally means this, that something has become something completely different than what it originally was. So you have God and Jesus who was God and becoming something completely different, becoming one of his own creations. And so we have this word, who is the light. He came and lived amongst us to show us the Father. And what an extraordinary idea that is. In fact, when we begin to look back at this passage, that verse 14, it says, He came and He dwelt amongst us. This idea literally means that that God came and He pitched a tent right in the midst of His people 2,000 years ago. If you want to get really spiritual about it, it means he came and he set up a tabernacle. Now, that's a weird word for us that don't know a whole lot about the Old Testament. But when you look back at what happened in the Old Testament, that was God in the Old Testament bringing his people out of Egypt. He was saving them from bondage. And so he came in his presence to literally live right in the middle of this gigantic tent that they call the tabernacle. And so then you fast forward to the time of Jesus. Because God's desire was to live and have a family. The people of Israel were his people, yet they continued to sin against him to the point where God says, I have another plan, and my plan is this, is now I'm going to send my only son, and he's going to be in flesh form so that you will know who I am. And the great part about that is Jesus came, and too often we kind of get stuck on the baby part, but Jesus came and he dwelt amongst us so that we could see the love of our Father for each and every one of us. This past week when we were in, in Abu Dhabi and, and working with people of other faiths, it hit me that we we follow a God that's only the only God that's ever, that's ever worshipped across the world that came amongst His people. Because of God, the Father's great love for each and every one of us. Our God. So because I love you, I'm going to live amongst you. I'm going to absorb the same kind of weaknesses that we have to show you what it's like and point you to the Father who's full of grace and love and mercy and compassion. So we get wrapped up in Christmas time with all the lights and with all the, uh, with all the shopping and with all the gifts. And the fact is we miss the greatest gift of the love of the Father that He sent His only Son to tabernacle amongst us, to dwell amongst us to show His great love to us. We miss it. Don't miss it this Christmas season. The light has come. And so this light, who was the Word, came and He lived amongst us to show us the Father. And, And when we begin to realize how extraordinary this really is, it'll change the way we look at Christmas. I'll be honest with you, it's too often even with myself, I get wrapped up in it but when you go to a place where no one worships Jesus, no one follows Him, you begin to really take stock of how much I truly, what God has really done for us through Christ. And you have interesting conversations they're asking now, how did God become a child and and why did He go to the cross and You know, what is this thing with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? And you have all these very difficult questions that are being asked, but when it boils down to it, we're the only one where our God came and said, I'm going to dwell amongst you because of my love for you. And here's the point. You'll go to work tomorrow, you'll go to school tomorrow, and you're thinking, I'm going to these places. And Jesus said, because I've dwelt amongst you 2,000 years ago, wherever you go today, wherever you go tomorrow, the light goes with you. So whatever you're dealing with, he says, I'm there. Whatever you're struggling with, he says, I'm already there. I'm in the midst of it. So when he shows us the Father, the Father says, I'm giving him to you. He's dwelling amongst you so you don't have to live life by yourself. Everything we go through, he says, I'm there. And that's the reason the light has come. So we started looking at this, this the Father becomes desires to have us to be a part of his family, and the word who is light came and lived amongst us. Here's the third thing for that here's the amazing part. For all that believe in the light, he gives the right to become what? Children of God. He, verse 11 says, "He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who receive him, verse 12, who believed in His name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, I don't know about you, but the, that word right is an important word in my opinion. To me, it's extraordinary. Why would I have any rights whatsoever? I know my life. I know how I've lived my life. I know I'm a sinful human being. Why, just by me believing in Jesus, do I have a right to be called a child of God? So basically what he's telling us is that we have this. We have one right. When you believe in Jesus, you have one right, and that's called the father-dad. Now, I have four children. Most of you already know that, but I have four children. They call me Dad. I am not a reflection of the Father. I struggle. He is the perfection of what it means to be the Father because of His greatness, His great love, His undying compassion and kindness for us. And Jesus says this, You have one right, and it's to call the Father Dad. Now, when my children come to me and they call me Dad, they know there are a lot of times whatever they're asking for, I'm going to help them with that they're having a struggle, they can come, Dad, I need your help. Dad, I'm struggling with this. Dad, I need advice on this. Dad, what do you think about this? And it's across the spectrum. But we don't look at our Father the same way. Jesus said, He is your Dad. Come to Him. Why? Because the light has come to give us that right. We have one right because of Jesus, and that's to be called sons of God, daughters of God. So as we go through this Christmas time, don't forget who the Father is. Don't miss him. Don't get so busy and wrapped up in all that's going on that you miss what you really rightfully have is a relationship with God the Father. So the Father desires for you to be a part of his family. Jesus, who is the word and the light, came to show us what the Father really looks like. And so when we begin to get to this point, when we get to this, that now we are now called children of God. Now the fourth thing is this, is we have a responsibility when it comes to the family. And I want, you to show, I want to show you what Jesus said to us in the Sermon on the Mount. When we look at this passage, he says this. Beginning in verse 14 of chapter 5, he says this. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light lamps and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven, Did you see what he said? Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Verse 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory not to Vista Church, not to you, but they may give glory to whom? The father of the family. He desires to have a family and you're a part of it. He wants you to have every right as a child, and that's complete access to him. But he says also you have a responsibility that each and every family member has, and that is because you are the light of the world, that Jesus is flowing through you. Go shine it wherever you go. Go do good works in the name of the Father. Go do good works in the name of the family that you're a part of. Go love on people during this Christmas holiday season who you look at and say, that person needs a touch of the family. They need a touch of the Father. They need a touch of the Word. They need a touch of the light. And the family responsibility is to be just that. I'm always astounded by what Jesus says. He doesn't say that you're a reflection of the light. He says, you are the light as my followers. So where you go today, where you go tomorrow, school, work, play, wherever it may be, this Christmas season, the light has come wherever you go. Jesus, if you're my follower, if you're part of my family, you have a job to do. And I thought about last Sunday. For those of you that did not have an opportunity to join us for the, for the big give um, at the high school, which was truly, for, those, I mean, for everyone who was there, was truly an amazing experience. This thing gets, get, gets, gets bigger every year. But by the time that we were said and done, I announced that we had brought in about 88000 almost 89000 By the time that it was all said and done, we have about $90,000 that was given to the big give. an amazing number. And what, actually what's happened as a result of that, that we're able to do uh, two more guys that are starting churches. And here's, here's what happens, and here's why you're so different, and being a part of this church is so different, because we're able to help two other church plants, not guys that we've been helping in the past, but both of these guys have the exact same story. They're trying to be lights in their communities, and it's, almost, it's, it's terrible the, both of their stories are almost exactly the same. That their churches sent them out, and they said, we want you to go start a church. And then they leave, they take up their family, they uproot themselves, and they go to their communities. And once they're there, both of them, the pastor of their church has both said, you know what? We don't have the money to do this. We're not going to support you anymore. And so money that they were dependent upon is now gone. And so you, basically you have this church is reneging on what they said they were going to do, their commitments. And I've talked to both of them, and I said, we're going to help in some form or fashion. And then you come last Sunday with the opportunity to give to the kingdom and come up with this crazy number of $90,000, and immediately I say, we have money to help these guys out in their families. In a time where one of them said, I don't even know what we're going to do for Christmas, because we were dependent upon a lot of that. And then God says, I know exactly what's going to happen, because this church is going to step in, and they're going to give a lot of money, and we're going to give it away. What does this mean? The light has come. It doesn't mean that we keep it to ourselves. These guys are part of our family, the family of God. And you just stepped in and did an amazing miracle in their lives. And it's going to help us. Hundreds of other people that we will never know are going to be touched by your generosity. And then if that wasn't crazy enough, you decide that you're going to come back to this place on Sunday night and invite the community to come and have pictures taken with Santa Claus, the Grinch, which, by the way, is J.J. in here? Yeah, it, it was. I don't know how many times I had people come up to me and say, that guy's fantastic-, fantastic as the Grinch. I said, no, he's not. That's the way he is all the time. He's just happy that he gets to do it without anybody getting, getting mad at him. The Grinch, Buddy the Elf, and people were asking, why are you doing this? And I'll tell you why. Because I had one individual come up to me in the midst of the event. And make this comment to me. She said, I want to thank you for allowing outsiders like us to come be a part of this. Now, what she didn't know is we were putting it on specifically for outsiders like herself. And then there's a passage of Scripture that I want you to look at. Chris, if you'll throw that up there. Look what Paul says. Be wise in the way you act toward whom? Outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. The light has come. People are desperate for something different. They're desperate for the light of Jesus in their lives. They are desperate for the church to be what the church has been called to be, the light of the world. They need us, not just at an event, not just in the big give, but to be the light of the world every single day of our lives. They need us. And the light has come. And the light said, now you are my followers. Go continue what I've started. Go be what I've called you to be. Love people. Those who are on the outside who need a touch of the kingdom. Make every opportunity. Be wise with it. Because you never know. If one little picture was sin, it might help them take one step into the kingdom of God. So I want to encourage you this morning that what you've been doing over the past, really since we look back at August and we get to this point, and time and time again, You've served, you've loved, you've given, and it's making a difference. Our community and people outside of our community are beginning to know that the light has come. He loves them. He wants them to know the Father loves them, and you've had an unbelievable part of that. I look forward to what God's going to do with us in the next year, but for this time, I want you to be encouraged that God's doing an amazing work through you. Let's pray together.